Hello and welcome to the Stoked on Spokes podcast. 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 Wait, like SOS? Well, it's about fights, rides, gear, races, community, and so much more. This is the Stoked on Spokes podcast. Let's get rolling. Hello and welcome to the 33rd episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. Today I'm joined by Jeff and Steve Wood, who are brothers and also run the Spoker Ride in Sackets Harbor, New York. It just happened this past July and is their 20th year of doing it. Gentlemen, how are you today? Yeah, doing great. Great, thank you. Yeah. All right, so in case somebody doesn't know who you are, can you please introduce yourself and give your bicycle background? Uh, my name is uh, Jeff Wood, co-founder of the Spoker Ride. been riding bikes since I was five. I mean, since I was a kid, really got more into it as I got a little bit later in life. And we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I've been riding bikes. And it was my main means of transportation until I was uh, in college. And I'm Steve Wood, co-founder of Spoker Ride. And again, been riding bikes, you know, all my life. But uh, as I got uh, more into exercise and fitness, uh, biking was one of those things that, you know, it's a, a good outlet, a, another something to do other than running or lifting weights. And from that point, uh, Jeff and I, started biking together and that's uh, when we thought after and we'll talk about our cancer story here and, and why Spoker Ride is is even here but we rode together and then having the Spoker Ride and, and making an event bike only uh, so that's how I continue to biking. So how has your brotherly relationship developed over the years through bikes? After our cancer diagnosis, Steve was first. You never want to be first in anything. No, but that's what he was first in. I'm the oldest, but he beat me to that one. When my diagnosis was a little bit later, I was almost 40. And after I got uh, recovered from my treatments and everything, I wanted to get more back into shape than I ever was at the time. And I just thought biking was a good way to do it because my knees were kind of shot. So uh, we got more into biking and then that kind of brought Steve along too because he's in the same situation. Yeah, so just to back up quick history, 97 was my diagnosis. It was uh, surgery and radiation treatment, and then basically um, watch and monitor from there. And Jeff was a couple of years later. Uh, his treatment was a little bit different, had surgery, but he actually had chemotherapy. Just the, the problems of, of having that sickness and that treatment, it takes a lot out of you. And then a couple of years after that, or maybe just probably just a year after that, you know, we wanted to help help people for survivorship. And that's kind of how Spoker Ride started, because what can we do to help survivorship? And Jeff, I think you can talk about how Livestrong got into that. Yeah. So we were trying to figure out how can we give back? Because we, we noticed there's a lot of people that didn't have the support infrastructure that we had. What I mean by that is family and friends and, and good doctors and medical care. But when you're treating a cancer patient, you're not only treating the disease, you're, you're treating the person. And we we're trying to figure out well, how could we do that? And then that's how Livestrong kind of got into it. So when we originally started doing it, we were trying to figure out, well, where could we put the money? If we raise money, where would it go? And Livestrong had a very big survivor program, you know, for resources for people who had survived cancer. And so we thought well, gee, that would be pretty good. And, that, and at the time, Lance Armstrong was at the top of his game. And it just seemed like we were kind of, you know, riding on on a little bit of that notoriety that he had in the Tour de France. So we started the Spoker Ride, and, and a lot of the bike events back at the time were all triathlons. And there's a lot of people, nothing wrong, Steve and I have done triathlons, 
And, you know, there's nothing wrong with them, but a lot of times you have these bikers that want to get into it, but it just seems too intimidating to have to swim and run too. And there wasn't any bike only events. So that's how the Spoker Ride kind of got its metamorphosis was to give back. And then, and, and that's how we kind of used Livestrong and the American Cancer Society Relay for Life were kind of co-sponsors, the first or co-beneficiaries, I should say, the uh, first few years that we did it. So that's, that's kind of how we wanted to give back. And that's the, the kind of the genesis of the reason behind it. The idea of why Spoker Ride happened. Talk more about Spoker Ride. Is it always been in Sackett's <laughs> Harbor? Has the route changed much over the years? Has, well, obviously the mission has stayed the same over the years, but how has it changed? And yeah, you know, when we first started, it was actually a poker ride. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were trying to figure out, you know, some from a gimmick and, and a, a poker ride. We thought, well, you know, we weren't really doing it as a race. We were doing it as a ride and we were trying to make it casual and get people involved. So we figured the more people got involved, the more obviously money we would raise. So it started out as literally there were stops on the way. Yeah. Yep. People would actually go to a, a one of our sponsors and pick up a, a one card and then we would get back to the end of the race and whoever had the best hand won. But we found out that people wanted to race and they wanted to not stop. When you get on a bike, typically just going uh, 20, 30 miles, you know, they could do that easily. And then they didn't want to stop and pick up the cards. So that turned from poker ride into spoker ride. And we also got people that thought it was a motorcycle type ride because we just put poker ride. And when, you know, you have a benefit usually with motorcycles, that's very similar type situation. So we had to change that quickly. So we went to Spoker Ride and we've always tried to maintain the 10, 30 and 50 mile rides. Unfortunately, we do have to change some years and that's just due to construction. If there's some something going on that we can't use that road, then we'll have to change it. But uh, lately we've had a good response and just it's been an easier route for having the volunteers and marshals help because if you change the ride every year, you're, you're looking at different intersections, different traffic congestion problems. So if we maintain it the same, we know year to year that we can uh, rely on the same marshals and, and have that same course. So it has evolved over the years. You know, our first year was 64 riders and we've had as many as two, 210, 20, yeah. 210. Yeah. And then this past year was probably on average with 158. Yeah. And, and we also found out, I think we did the actual poker ride the first three times first three years we, one of the prop, biggest complaints we had when people come back is i don't have any pockets and they had no place to put the cards so we found a lot of cards on the side of the road because they tried to tuck them in wherever they could it was kind of interesting but that was also a, our way of also getting like mcdonald's for instance and, and adams was uh one of the uh, first sponsors we had and they actually put a little table out on the parking lot and had cookies and 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 juice and and milk and and stuff like that for people to stop and a lot of people took advantage of that they love the cookies I guess but um, but that was more for the more casual riders um, but it's always started and ended in the sackets we've had two or three different starting points um, in the village itself but the last ten or so years have always been down by the battlefield entrance that's been a pretty nice side street to do it on because uh, it's not quite as heavily trafficked well obviously you're going to talk about why why does it benefit cancer. With Livestrong, obviously, it was a big thing, you know, for years and years and years. I remember when I first started riding in 2012, everyone probably had a Livestrong band on. Probably about <laughs> one of every five people had a jersey. I still wear mine. It's still a great program. You know, it still supports survivorship. 
So that eventually shifted to the American Cancer Society as your primary uh, fundraiser? Yeah. I mean, it was sort of 50-50 between Livestrong and American Cancer Society. And the big reason, Relay for Life, which was we had our own team. Our team, (laughs) the first we were participating and we needed to raise money for our team because teams raise money. And we were already involved with Relay for Life when we started the Spoker Ride. So we took the proceeds from Spoker Ride to apply to our team uh, credit. And our team was OBC. So you, know, you want to guess what OBC stands for? The One Ball Club, because translates back to our cancer. Yeah, we had testicular cancer, so so that's that's we you know. In fact, we actually raised money on that too. We had people ask what we ask them what OBC stood for. We put a dollar and see if we could figure it out. And so we were raising money on on that for the uh, cancer society, and then the other half would go to Livestrong. And so we had a lot of, and the reason we used that was there were a lot of people on our team, and they helped us out because you know a, a, doing a bike ride or a race, no matter what, requires a lot of volunteers, a lot of people that want to help out in between the road marshals and registration and awards and, you know, getting the sponsors organized and and ready and getting all the things you need to do. There's just a lot of people involved. So we have a Relay for Life team behind us because Steve and I just by ourselves couldn't do it. So. So has that been a big support too for finding those volunteers? And are those volunteers the same year after year because of that? So having Relay for Life on our you know, as a backup or, you know, just as a help, Don Boschart, who runs the, you know, local chapter here, tells his teams, other teams, that if you come and help the Spoker Ride guys, then we'll give you some type of credit credit for that. Mm-hmm. So we actually have had other uh, Relay for Life teams come and help us, whether it be marshalling or the, the relay, the road marshalling, the registration. So, you know, next to Relay for Life, that's where we kind of transitioned once Livestrong kind of we went, got away from them. We that's when we picked up the volunteer transportation center, and, and Jeff can speak on that because he's on the board. Yeah, so probably seven eight years ago, I think it, that's been about that long. We were looking really for life teams. We were just having a hard time getting enough volunteers for whatever different reasons. I don't know what year it was, thirteen or fourteen. Friend of mine is also a fellow Rotarian, Sam Purrington, who runs the VTC. I went to him and said, "Listen, I, I hear that you do uh, charity rides for cancer patients, so patients that need to get to a doctor's appointment or a treatment and that didn't have transportation, they provided it for free. And of course, they they fundraise off that. Go well, if you can get me some help, and and they have the word volunteer in their name. If you can get me some help, then you know maybe we can work out some deals. So they actually brought marshals and helped the registration and helped get the tents set up and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they've been a great sponsor ever since, or a beneficiary as well. And so we sort of moved away from Livestrong, and coincidentally, and it's not really by choice. It's it's about the same time that uh, Livestrong had their you know problems with uh, Lance. So it just made sense for us to kind of shift gears a little bit and and keep some of the money more local because a lot of them, you know, Livestrong would, would go outside the area a little bit. And although we had packets we would give to survivors if they needed them, you know, that we had available. We'd also, uh, but you know, this is all local, all the money volunteer transportation centers, all for local people that live in Jefferson, Lewis, St. Lawrence counties. All right. So besides that, talk about your sponsors, your supporters, you mentioned McDonald's at the beginning. Yeah. Who have been your biggest sponsors over the years and the people that helped put this event on with support? Um, I would say one of the sponsors we've had, there's a couple of, I'd like to highlight, but there's quite a few. Samaritan Health Center, Samaritan Medical Center, Samaritan Health have been sponsors almost since day one. It, it helped 
probably a little bit that I worked there for a while, but they've been great sponsors. They've always, you know, mostly been on the back end as far as money because we need money too. Uh, it's not just in kind stuff. And then we've also had, I was telling Steve I, when I was trying to go through it this year because of the 20th anniversary, I was trying to figure out is there anybody who's been a sponsor every single year and there's been individuals that have been sponsors, you know, obviously our, our friends and family have, but there was one gentleman named John Deal, John Deal III. He's been every year, every year. He always, he always signs up to ride, but he always gives us like three times as much money as it costs to ride. I mean, he, he donates a lot of money on behind it. So, but there's been, we, we've been all over the place as far as sponsors and, and different companies. We get a lot of in-kind, like, you know, media sponsors that'll put us up, uh, you know, for an ad, maybe on TV or radio. Uh, Stewart's Shops has been a big sponsor. We try to hit up anything like the Watertown Firefighters Benevolent. Uh, mm -hmm. They might give us a prize or they might give us a monetary value. And just having individuals that may not ride, but like like Jeff said, they just want to support us. So they'll, they'll, you know, throw a few dollars and, and that helps. It helps with everything because we still have to buy prizes. We still have to buy medals and ribbons and, and such like that. But we also have to pay for insurance for the race too. So the initial first few years, we had a lot of sponsors that were actually just in the village of Sackets. Uh, the first year I was looking for some place, a venue to, to kind of celebrate. We didn't know how big it was going to be. So I knew Errol Flynn really well. Errol and his son, Steve, uh, owned and operated the 1812 Brewing Company, Sackets Harbor Brewing Company. So they actually gave everybody a beer, you know, Dokin, uh, any writer got a beer and they let us use their patio area for registration. That was where we did the first year. It was our, our inaugural year. And, uh, but a lot of the, the shops and stores and restaurants all around Sackets all donated something. Some gave us money. I mean, the Chamber of Commerce gave us money. We've gotten money for the different chambers. The village has always been really supportive. So has the town of Hounsfield. They allow us to use the grounds that they have down there by the battlefield and then they take care of the trash for us and everything. So. They've been real supportive. Um, like we say, McDonald's was a lot of years they would give us, would give us stuff. Uh, and then a lot of like Knowlton Technologies has been another company that supported us. I'm not trying to think. So a car freshener was always really big. Uh, Watertown Savings Bank has been a sponsor, I think every year. They're another one of those every year sponsors. And, and they've been a great organization because they support, support a lot of community events. Just trying to think if I can think of any other sponsors. Yeah, offhand, but it's just, you know, just not only the individuals, but individuals right up to big corporations here locally that have always supported us, continued to support us. And the Federal Credit Union, Northern Federal Credit, AmeriQ have been, a lot of the banks have been, have been good sponsors. Um, we have a good network between Jeff and myself, just with our work contacts, social contacts, and then bringing in the Volunteer Transportation Center, who, you know, they have to go out there and solicit for funds too. So, Having them on board, it just kind of brought in a whole new whole new area of, of sponsors. And it's nice to see you guys give to them because I remember, gosh, for four years, I remember doing the chili cook-off and I was very proud that the money went to that, especially with the fact they haven't had to do it for years. I'm happy that there is an outlet for them to yeah. fundraise more. It probably doesn't hurt that I'm the BTC Foundation board president. So, <laughs> But I think that was punishment. <laughs> I should say, you know, performance punishment, they call it. So um, not too long after I... Uh, kind of rope them in to be sponsors and to help us out and provide volunteers. I got to approach them. Hey, you want to be on our board? So yeah, that's fine. It's, it's a great organization. So. And um, they offer a lot of support to a lot of different people in the area, but what's nice with our ride and the money that we 
raise and, and support for them as they will actually tra uh, transport just cancer patients. Our money is de dedicated for that part of their uh, transportation is just trans uh, cancer patients to and from uh, their treatments. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have a rough idea of how much money you've helped raise over these last 20 years? I think we're close to the net around 200 grand for the 20 years. I think the first year we did it, we were just a little over $5,000 um, between the riders and the sponsors. And, and, and literally we, we didn't know how far it was going to go. We just, you know, we didn't think that we'd be sitting here 20 years later, even thinking that we'd have a ride. We didn't think that far ahead, you know, we'll, we'll do one year and see what happens. And actually there's a, the first year, if it, if it <laughs> was, was an interesting ride because we had an accident within 10 minutes of the, of the start of the race, purely by chance. I mean, it, it was, uh, it turned out everybody was okay. I mean, people got hurt, you know, uh, broken bone type error, but, um, I'm thinking, Oh my, this is not a good sign. Other than that, it was a good ride. Everybody had a good time. And that was just due to an experience by a rider and a pace line. And, and they just didn't know how a pace line worked and, and caused confusion and somebody had contact and it was, they went down that that's really, you know, that was the scary things like, oh, this is how we're going to start out. You know, you want, you don't want anything to go wrong. You know, you want the weather to be good and you want, you know, everything to go right and nobody get hurt. And, and that's, it was literally 10 minutes. I, I think I, my phone rang 10 minutes after the start. There was a problem and they had to call an ambulance. So it was a little scary. <laughs> so going from the poker ride to the race, did you ever just make it a, a charity ride or has it always been a, a bike race? Well, it's, been a charity ride, but um, it didn't start out as a bike race. Although we did, did we time the first year? I think, I think we did. Oh, the YMCA the first ten years was a was a big sponsor, and and their sponsorship was they basically um, offered us the timing system. So and and it was a manual timing system that they actually used in running races, and it, it worked okay when we had sixty riders and only about half of them wanted to be timed. So you know we could put bibs on them and and basically we force them through a shoot at the end. And at the end of the shoot, we'd get them in line and by order that they finished. And then we would just pluck off their tag and, and then use that to go against the timer. It's like they would use for a running race. I'll tell you right now, that doesn't work well on a bike ride when you get 20, 30 people uh, finishing at the same time, you know, 25 plus miles an hour. You'd never be able to do it. We have actually photo finish times now or photo finish finishes because we can't tell there there's, literally 20 people crossing the line at the same time. And the last few years, uh, Oyer Racing from Oswego uh, County comes up and they, they do timing and, but they also do the photo finish. And we've needed that for this year. We did. Yeah. So the 50 mile, I think had 20 plus guys in the lead pack. And the guy who won, won by less than, was less than a hundredth of a second. So, I mean, it was just, so there's a lot of rides around here, charity rides throughout the North Country. Do you feel that having a race kind of hinders the amount of money and the amount of participants you have? Or do you think it gives people a reason to want to be at the Spoker Ride because it's the only real race of the year in this area? So really our ride, and we can call it a ride and a race because we do have the 10 mile. It's usually a family. It's, a, it's two laps really around the village. And we've had people that have race before and now you know they're maybe up in years and they don't want to be part of that they don't either want to go the 30 miles or they don't want to be part of the, the race part of it but they can actually do still support us by doing that 10 mile ride and then you know participating that way 
but we also have people that do, they'll come as a group. Uh, we've had groups from Canada, Kingston. We've had groups from Syracuse, uh, Fulton, Oswego. Krogan now. Krogan now. As they, a biker. Yeah. yeah. They come up and race as a team, but we also have people that just individually just want to go out, do a 30 mile ride. They're not racing anybody other than possibly their own personal best and they're still supporting us. So uh, they may not particularly want to race, but they want to support us with the ride and they'll just, they'll just do it that way. Okay. I was wondering if, you know, so obviously not everyone treats it as a race. A lot of people just want to ride. Okay. Yeah. And, and some people, I mean, we tell them, you know, up front, you know, Hey, if you're not really here to race, just go to the back of the pack when it starts and hold back. And what's also nice too, is it has a double edged sword, I guess, is that when you give everybody a timing chip, you know how many people are still out there. Um, you're not guessing how many people are out there and oh, how much we have to wait for. Um, and some people don't even want to, you know, even they don't want to, they don't even want to put the chip on, but we try to encourage them to. Well, now we know where you are. So not, we don't know where they are, but we know that they haven't finished. When we first started, we used to have basically, it's an open course, but we never really had a set a time limit. And we could have people that wanted to do the 50, but they probably <laughs> shouldn't have done the 50. And we're holding up marshals and we're holding up the sag wagon. We're holding up the sweep cars so and the awards and the awards. <laughs> so now we do have a time limit and that changes things a little, changes things a little bit. And it's nice because we do know we have a sweep car that says, okay. And the, the, the riders and racers, they all know that the course timing stops at noon. So, you know, we try, that kind of gives them a, a limit and their physical fitness level that they know that they're going to have to complete a 30 mile or the 50 mile between 8.30 and, and noon. So having that time limit now helps too. Yeah, we had one guy that literally stopped just about every store. Not because he had to, but he wanted to. He was stopping at the ice cream store, and, and it took him like, what, six hours? Yeah, it was a long time for everybody to be out there. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you're 20 years in. You've raised over $200,000 for cancer-based um, charities. Where do you see the event going, or is it just maintaining the same consistency you have? And we sort of pondered that a couple of times. Like, you know, we start kind of planning for the ride in January. You know, we start to get together on a more, you know, frequent basis just to discuss what we're going to do for this year's ride. And every year it comes up, well, what do you want to do? We want to do something different. Do we want to expand it? You know, there was, you know, some of the more competitive racers have always come to us and said, well, if you make this a sanctioned ride and, and it counts towards points, you know, then you're going to get more people. And I go, well, but then you've changed the whole purpose, A, a the purpose of the ride, and B, the level of um, anxiety for us as race organizers would just go right through the roof, you know, if you have to deal with that, you know. Um, From someone like me who's put on USAC races, mm -hmm. it's a completely different animal. Yeah. If you want to be a charity ride, I think it's, there's no reason to go to USAC. Right. Because... You're taking everyone who wants to ride casually or ride for you. They don't even probably consider it a charity ride if they're riding for points and all their stuff. Right. Yeah. They don't. And there's there's a handful of guys that ride that they're, they're just there to either beat each other or beat another team that they're competitive with. Like the guys in Oswego against the guys in Syracuse. There's a group from both you know areas and they, they're very they're very competitive and that's fine it's still like it still works for them because they're being timed we don't see it getting away from a charity race and doing a usac thing it just doesn't make sense we would like to you know we talked a couple of times do we want to we want to consider doing something like a tie a 5k run in with it or on the same weekend you know maybe do something like a duathlon type of thing um, i 
I'm real hesitant. Steve is too, you know, getting like a try because then you're, when you get into swimming events, it's the completely different animal as well. Um, in fact, we were approached back when Samaritan was still doing the river rat try up in Clayton and they were getting like really, I guess, worn out from it. And they said, well, geez, you guys do the bike ride. You could, can you, you could take this over and you could combine the two events and, and I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> you know, it's just, I think we like leaving it just a bike race slash ride. Um, you know, we, whether we expand it, um, or not, we haven't really thought too far past that. Um, a lot of the logistics of the race day stuff is kind of falling on Steve and I, but you know, the, the volunteer transportation center does a lot of the, you know, getting the sponsors, you know, making sure the t-shirts are taken care of and the rewards, um, registration day and all that stuff. So that, the money side of it, I guess, and that's taking a big load off of our back. So I don't, I don't know, Steve, what do you think? I mean, when we first started, we did everything. We planned the race. We got the sponsors. We got the prizes. We were soliciting, you know, vendors for door prizes, anything like that. We, on Friday night before the race, we're packing race packets with the bibs and everything. So it was, very time consuming for us and our families because they were helping too. And it got to a point where we had, you know, a couple of years, we had 200 and some riders and we're also, you know, you got to have the facilities. You got to talk to them. You have to have the insurance. There was just a lot of it for just two of us doing that. So when volunteer transportation center came on and they said, well, we have a, a network of people that can help you with this. It took a lot, a load off of, Jeff and our shoulders by by all means, and we could be the face of Spoke Ride and promote it. It's you know we're still doing what we want to do with the charity part of it, but having the help, uh, and they would also you know even just the marshaling, helping with the marshaling. Every every aspect that comes with the race, we kind of delegated, which you need to do that because if you get too big, you're going to get burned out. And we want to be big, but and we, but we still want to you know maintain this what this race is all about. So having them help. Has helped us uh, in the past few years. So if we can maintain that uh, status, that's that's you know that would be great for us, great for the ride. I just thought of a, some sponsors. I completely just over my head. So the first what ten years of the ride, Murat at Blue Cat Cycle was like one of our big. He gave us a bike every year, and we thought that was pretty cool. Although a lot the more competitive, the more serious bike riders didn't care about a bike as much because. They're very particular about their bike and what kind of bike they ride and how big it is and all that stuff. And we get that. People who are just casual riders are like, wow, I'm getting a brand new, you know, carbon fiber bike. And then, of course, he finally shut his shop down. We started looking around and, and we went to Todd Phelps over at Black River Adventurers. And he's been a pretty good sponsor uh, all the way through the last 10 years since Murat got out of the picture out of Blue Cat. And then um, this year we actually worked with Recree as well on Court Street. So um, and they both worked. Todd was Todd was there and he did a sag wagon, and Recree was there and they did a they did a, a sag wagon, which is good because now we had two sag wagons. Before Todd was kind of doing both, and he would crisscross both because the courses kind of overlap a little bit of overlap on them, and he would kind of cover both. But now this way we could concentrate on, on each one could concentrate on a, on a course and. So they've been all uh, very supportive as well. And sometimes, you know, we're talking about do we want to change it or do we want to keep it the same? But every year we have either a new challenge or a new sponsor or someone comes up with a, a new idea and we can use that. You know, maybe that just tweaks the race for the good just a little bit. And just by 
you know, us having those meetings and, and talking about, okay, what's, what are we going to do this year? And having those new sponsors or a new, a new bike business that's in town come and help. I mean, that just, that was good. Cause I remember when I first started riding, um, I, years later, I was getting closer with Todd and he was telling me, I don't know if it's a great idea to just give away a bike when someone's just going to sell it. Right. Mostly. Yeah. So, so I tried to pivot him into more of a gift card idea, but I think he never got to it. We got, we, uh, we got gift cards and that's good because like you say, a, a bike is a specific item for a specific person. So if they didn't want a size 54, uh, race bike or road bike, maybe they wanted a hybrid or maybe they wanted a, you know, a trail bike or something like that. So having a, just a gift card and we're very happy for that, then a person could take their own bike in there. Everybody needs to tune up. Everybody needs tubes. Everybody needs tires and their brakes adjusted. So having that gift card, I think is a really good idea. Or a new seat, new clips. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what else do you guys do when it comes to bikes? Is it just the event or do you guys ride? Do you guys go to other events? I train, I do triathlons. Unfortunately, there's only one left in Jefferson County now, but uh, you know, in the 2012, 13, 14, 15, I was doing all three that were here in the county. So, uh, you know, they were sprint tries. So you're only talking 12 to 16 miles, but you still need to get some seat time. So I have a, a mountain bike, you know, an off-road bike, uh, and I also have a road bike. So I try to go back between the two and, uh, you know, that's, that's my exercise. That's the way that I try to stay fit. So I try to maintain, uh, you know, I'm not by any means, you know, a, a hundred miler, you know, every week, but, uh, I try to maintain it and my fitness goals, you know, put it into my, my routine. And so I go back and forth between off and on road. I got back into biking after my cancer treatment. Um, you know, I kind of got away from it when, you know, after I got a, a car <laughs> and, 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 you know, cause I, I mean, I used to ride my bike, you know, when I worked at, in high school and college, I ride my bike six, seven miles one way, you know, just to go to work every day. And then, you know, I'd be riding route 11 at 1130 at night, coming back from Adams direct subs with a, one of those old uh, generator lights that are on your tire, you know, and if you stop, the light goes out and that was my light at 1130 at night. And that's, that was, you know, I got used to being bike as a mode of transportation. Never thought of it. I would ever be a, you know, a way to exercise, you know, but not when you're in your twenties. When I started, I just got a, a, a hybrid back in 2001. It's just something to get back into it. Cause the bikes I had were just, you know, old, you know, cheap bikes that I'd, I'd gotten from my kids. I think I actually got that from blue cat. And then I rode that for about a year, but then then we started thinking about the spoke ride. I rode that this first ride, the spoke ride. And I noticed how much faster the guys were that had, you know, real road bikes with, you know, that were, that probably weighed 10 pounds less than mine. And, um, so then I upgraded it to a Cannondale and got a little bit more, uh, speed on that, obviously. And, and then Steve got me in, interested into triathlons and I love to swim anyway. It's like, Oh, I can swim and bike. Oh, that's a completely different animal. In fact, our first triathlon that we did together was green lakes. Green Lakes Y, Y sponsored that one, the so, Syracuse yeah. Y. Uh, that was in 2012. Happened to be the same year I turned 50. And I'm thinking, you know, Steve's going to smoke my butt. And because uh, he'd been training for tries, he'd done what, two years before that, you'd started and uh, he got a flat tire and I beat him. It's <laughs> 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 probably the only time I would. <laughs> obviously, obviously, you hope that 
the people from Canada start coming back over the next over next year and stuff like that. I'm hoping that the it's less of a risk now for them to come. Lewis County's been booming right now. I've been seeing with the Crokin group that you're especially talk about. I'm actually semi part of with them and they've been growing a lot with their events mm-hmm. and obviously supporting events like yours, Ride for Dignity has been important. So it, it, I think it's safe to say that biking's kind of a little bit on the rise in Jefferson, Lewis County. You'd be, I'm surprised by the number of people. I You never really know who bikes. It's kind of a, it's a lot for a lot of people. It's, it's a personal thing. I mean, some people, I see more and more now that there a lot of pe- people are organizing rides on, you know, different nights of the week and in the weekends now. It's in, people are getting more into like, I know Todd is doing stuff up on Tug Hill and with, with, uh, trail bikes and, you know, fat bikes and stuff like that, which I think is really cool. You don't know about it until they show up at the ride. Oh, I didn't know you rode bikes. You know, it's just like, you just don't know them until they sign up for a ride or a race. And then you're like, you see them on a bike and it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. So in the ride for dignity, you know, the uh, shelter box ride, I kind of helped, you know, they came to me, Tom Deuce there. He, he, I know him through Rotary and he came to me the first year he's looking to raise money and he was a biker himself. So he wanted to, you know, he's kind of picking my brain. Well, how do you organize a ride? So I helped him out the first couple of times uh, just to get started. So, you know, we help each other out because it, it just makes sense. And the more opportunity you have, the more people are going to be more interested in it. And like, it's, it's kind of a sad that there's only one try left in the county. Although I, did I hear Lime might be trying to do theirs again? You know, the more we have, the more opportunity we have, you know, the more people you get involved, the more people get involved helps us because you have more people riding. And that's why we're trying to do the family ride, too, is to get those young people involved in riding of some sort and, you know, get them, give them a passion for it so that when they get a little bit older. And we do give awards out. We had a lot of 14-year-old win one year, not mean win the race, but he definitely smoked a lot of people that are a lot older than him, so, which is good. More popular are these weekday rides. You know, Recrease has a ride on a certain night. Todd has a ride on his night. Uh, there's a lot of running groups that are around that uh, we we run and we bike also. So uh, just getting that word out that it is uh, becoming a popular sport, uh, it'll help. Because I had the guys on from CGSW who used to put on the Maple City out in Augensburg and I think I kind of, it makes sense why they switched to more duathlon base because they said that, you know, it tries, especially the long distance ones, you only do so many in a summer. Right. Yeah. So, so trying to be people's second or third option, especially when they're trying to do Lake Placid is hard to have them choose. Right. Yeah. There's only so many weekends and there's only so much time. Recovery time, planning time, yeah. all that other stuff. Yeah. For 20 years, we've always had ours on the same day. Every year, it's always the last Saturday in July. So, uh, having that maintaining a you know a set schedule, I think, helps too. We wish we, we. I think the first year we had the first weekend of August, and then we and that was because we were the last weekend in July was actually the line try, and we were trying not to, you know, compete. So, and then they changed their date, so we changed it to the July, and we just kept it there and hope nobody else, you know, <laughs> competes on because you're right. There's only a pool of so many people and a lot of people are training for triathlons you can't do as many of those one year for uh as a sponsor too uh we had wayne vanderpool i don't know if you ever talked to wayne i don't know if he's in the area anymore but wayne um for i don't know how many years he did it three years maybe did you ever remember the incredible double man that was wayne he was some brainchild he had that he would do two was it two full tries can't remember the or two, but I, thought, I thought it was two halves, a half two halves, one day and yeah, half the other, yeah, yeah. But it was still two days in a row, and 
and, and he did it down at Westcott's. Um, but he, he came out to our rescue one year when we were desperately needing um, cash. Thank him because we were, and the, we were actually seriously thinking, okay, we're, we're just going to be done with it. We just, it's just too much work and we're not getting enough support. And he came through. I mean, I kind of put out the feelers on social media that, hey, we're not really sure if we're going to be able to do the ride this year. We don't have enough support. We have the riders. Don't get me wrong. We had the riders. We just didn't have enough sponsor support. And then he just, I mean, I think it was within five minutes he texted me and said, don't worry about it. We got you covered. And he did. So, um, and then he also volunteered to help. And then he came and he did the incredible double man a month later. So that was quite the <laughs> interesting time. I think we've talked a lot about biking you enjoy and stuff like that. What currently gets you guys stoked on bicycles and also your event? I think it's, as we get older, we're trying to maintain our fitness level as, you know, as much as we can. And to me, you know, I just don't want to run on a treadmill all day long. I don't want to just lift weights, you know, every other, every day. I don't just want to run outside. I want to, you know, make it enjoyable for me and make it exciting. So I ride. I run, I swim, I lift, you know, and maintaining all three or four of those uh, things just keeps me motivated. You, know, you, you reach a plateau, you know, whatever uh, form of exercise you're trying to do. So I enjoy, and it's very soothing for me. I, I know people will get on their bike and then it's kind of like, okay, I'm in my zone. I'm just going to go out there, whether I'm competing or just running or you know riding uh just to to maintain a fitness level or just to clear your head Uh, i think it's just one of those things that you know i enjoy so if you enjoy any type of fitness whether it be you know the running swimming or biking uh, just get on that you know do that whatever you want to do and then you know maintain that fitness level but it's also i think it's good for the brain yeah um when i was um getting done uh after my chemo or I was going through my cancer treatment, I made kind of a diary of, you know, what I was thinking, stuff I was going through, what was going on in my life. You know, a lot of stuff was going on both personal and work. And I was having a lot of work issues at the job I was at. And so I I wrote this all down and made a diary. It wasn't much. It was probably, you know, 15, 20 pages, just, just notes. And then I thought I wanted to make it more, you know, for posterity. And I, then I started thinking about, you know, people who I had met through my cancer journey, like a lot with the really for life people, we, we get a lot of exposure to people who are survivors in the, in the trials that they go through. And I heard some horror stories and stuff like that. So I said, you know, what? maybe I'll, maybe I'll write a book. I wrote I actually wrote a book and I was trying to think, what can I call the book? You know, I was trying to come up with a good title. And uh, the first couple of times I came up with a book uh, title, it was like Red Sky Morning, I was going to call it because I have a... I was involved in shipping when I was younger. I was in Maritime Academy and Red Sky Morning is a sail, you know, the old sailor's thing, right? Red Sky in the morning, sailors take warning. So it was my Red Sky Warning. And I, I looked up how many people had books called Red Sky Morning and there were just dozens of them. I'm like, I want to be a little bit different. So, and then at the time, at the same time I was writing my book and the spoker writer was in sort of, it's in its infancy. I thought, I was looking at some pictures I had taken and one of the pictures I'd taken, you know, on my camera was, or my phone was sitting on the bike and I was taking it from the handlebars on the road. And I go, Oh, so I called my bike, my book riding the white line. And I use that as a metaphor because it's like, you know, we ride the white line every day, you know, you ride it. And if you go too far to the left, you're in traffic. That's not a good place to be. And if you go too far to the right, you're on the shoulder and you're in the ditch. 
So you got to stay on that white line, stay balanced. So it's all about keeping balance and stuff like that. So for me, that's where the, the biking aspect kind of merged into my life and how it works. So I thought that was kind of a, um, you know, that, that was a good title and that's what I st- stuck with. So, so that's what it means for me. It's like, it, it's like, like Steve was saying, you know, it's like, you know, you go out, I rode Sunday. I, I think I did like 15 or 16 miles, but it was just like, when you're riding your bike, that's, you got to think about riding the bike. You can't think about anything else. If you do, you, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in danger, right? So you got to keep your eyes on the road and you got to keep your eyes on traffic, but you also can clear your head and just think, think about stuff, think about what's going on or, you know, clear your head completely and just think about nothing. Maybe listen to your music if you want, but uh, not don't do it loud uh, so you can hear traffic. But, you know, it just it's just you can forget about things and and, and just concentrate on one thing and, and at the same time get exercise, you know. So that's what it means for me. All right. And what else gets you currently stoked on your event? Every year seeing, you know, 150 people coming to your event, you know, this is say your, but it's our event that these people, you know, a lot of them come back year after year or just leading up to the event, you know, Hey, are you going to have this poker ride this year? What's the date? Always asking us questions. Um, you know, we're the course change. Course, yeah. <laughs> what, what's the course change going to be, be this year? But, uh, it is a lot of stress coming up to it, but when that bell or the horn or, you know, ready, set, go goes off. And then this year I got to ride for the first time in a few years because, you know, we always, one of us, two of us stay back in case there's any problems. But seeing that group of people, you know, there's a picture right here, seeing that group ready to go is, you know, to me, that's like, that's all worth it. Yeah. It's a huge sense of satisfaction i guess and, and i mean there's relief and there's joy and there's satisfaction that you know you, you pulled it we pulled it off another year and you know it's it's not always about you know the money is what we we do it for obviously for charity but it's it's seeing the other people involved and excited about it i remember one year i think it was it was just not that long ago three or four years ago and i think it was just the timing was right and, and sackets is a beautiful little village right I'm sitting there after after the writers all left, and there was probably oh eight ten people, uh, groups of people sitting around the finish line. And there's one girl that had was a plain air artist, and she was she must have taken a picture or something, and she was actually painting the the beginning of the ride. And there was a family, and they were having a little picnic on a blanket, and they're all you know they're all family members of riders that were out, and they're just waiting for them to come back. And it was just like a it was just it was serene. It was quiet. And it was, you know, just people were enjoying the the time, you know, the, the, it was bringing people together for a good cause. And, you know, and, you know, uh, and afterwards when we have the awards and there's always people hanging around and it's not just about the medal that they get, but just the, the, um, socializing and getting in talking with one another and, and competing, but it also, uh, friendship. So I, I think, you know, that part of it really, I, I noticed that I noticed those things that happen, you know, when we, when we're doing it. And that's what, you know, I think about all the work, everything I'll say, think about is all the work you have to do at the beginning of every year. And it's like, but, but that part of it right there is what makes it worth it because there's some satisfaction of doing something that other people enjoy and get something out of. Cause there's, and that's what, and that's really what it's all about. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today, gentlemen. Any last words? Oh, no. Thank you so much for asking us on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Anything that we can do to get the message out there, which is really what we're all about, is getting the message out there is, you know, do what, just do it. Just do it. You know, if you're ever thinking about getting on a bike, 
you don't have, you know, I tell those people who call me up every year and they say, you know, uh, I'm thinking about doing the bike race. I've never done a bike race, race, race before. And I'm like, well, you don't have to race if you don't want to, you know, just go and do it. If you just want to do 10 miles, just go and do it. There was a girl every year. You might know who she is. Um, she always had a, uh, she always had a little dog in her basket. And, and it was just fun to watch and the little dog ride, you know, on her. And we had one lady re- literally picked up a bike at a garage sale on the way over. I mean, the tires looked like they were 30 years old and she did 30 miles on that bike. I just couldn't believe that the bike made it, but you know, just do it. Just get involved. And it doesn't matter. It'd be a bike race. It can be whatever, you know, but that's really what it is. Again, thank you for allowing us op- this opportunity. And it's not just about riding or racing. If you want to help support the organization, you can just you can come and volunteer. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends about it. Check out our Patreon page for additional bonus content. And follow our Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on all the things we are working on. Until next time, just keep rolling.